Amen, amen. Thank you, worship team, for leading us to that place this morning. Those are powerful words for us to be able to sing together, to declare those truths of what Jesus has done for us. That's everything we need to know and understand, and everything flows from that. But as we begin this morning, we're going to open the word to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, and we're going to read this uh, little bit of this passage together here as we continue to explore the things that we have been over this Advent season and through this year. John chapter 14, we're going to start in verse 1. This is one of my very favorite passages in Scripture. It's so good. It's uh, what Jesus is describing here. Well, we're going to get it. I'm going to start preaching before we get to it. Um, what Jesus is describing here is huge. And uh, the situation, the place that they are is, is, is huge for us here too. So John chapter 14, starting in verse 1. Let's read this together. Jesus says this. He says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that all you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know Him and have seen Him. Do we know Jesus like that? To say we've seen the Father. Do you want to? Well, a very, again, happy almost New Year indeed. To everyone this morning, what a special season this has been. This Advent season has, has felt really, really neat, walking through these things together, walking through the Advent, the lighting the candles, which I forgot to do this morning, I'm realizing now. Pastor Scott's not here, everything falls apart, you know, he's the one that's holding everything together here. Uh, but this amazing time we had last Sunday evening with our candlelight service, lighting these candles and seeing the light and the love of Jesus kind of spread throughout the sanctuary here as we know it spreads around us and around our community and throughout the world. The glory of the incarnation and the power of the Spirit alive in us, bringing hope, bringing life. God is good. What He is inviting us into is incredible if we'll see, if we'll listen, if we will believe. Now today we come to New Year's Eve and tonight we look forward to again a wonderful time of community and fun celebration. I hope you'll be able to join us but wherever you are, however you're celebrating, New Year's is an interesting time. It's a time of fresh starts and new chances. It feels a little bit like a reset. 
leaving old things behind and stepping into new things. And we know how, how well a lot of that goes. The gym memberships sell like hotcakes in the first couple of weeks and the gyms are packed and by the end of January they're pretty empty again. I'm not even going to waste my money this time around, right? I know how it's going to go. The resolutions we make and the grand ambitions and the wide-eyed optimism that we have stepping into the new year, it's hard to maintain. And as much as the new year feels like a fresh start in some ways, in a lot of ways our life really doesn't change much from today to tomorrow. Our house is the same and our family is the same and our jobs the same and our friends are the same. Same life, same responsibilities, same pressures, same problems. As much as we can hope for change, sometimes the circumstances around us are hard for us to adjust. But the interesting part of all those things, and all those things we're hoping for, and those goals and ambitions and resolutions that we make is oftentimes they're all ours. All me and my the real question is, how is Jesus a part of that journey as if he should only be a part anyway? Where is he in those questions? Where is he in those plans we're making? Where is Jesus in our new year? Did you ask him? Because that's what we've been trying to do this Advent season is to kind of click our brains over into that posture of actually asking Jesus what he thinks. This year we've been studying the word, looking at the power and the purpose of God's word of scripture and coming to the truth in this Advent season that it's more than a book. It's more than ideas. It's more than history. It's more than teaching. The word is a person. Jesus is the living Word, the Word that has become flesh and made His dwelling among us, revealing the nature of His Father to us, the nature of relationship to us, the nature of creation to us, in His life, in His words, in His love. The Word is alive in these pages and in us because Jesus is the living Word come to bring us abundant life. And as we've said all the way through, all that is amazing. But in order to understand these things, we've been trying to do that. We've been trying to ask Jesus, what does that mean? Who are you? Help us to understand. And so we've started with the places that Jesus answered that very question. The places that he told us exactly who he is. What he is. The I am statements of Jesus found in the Gospel of John where he tried to help us see and understand this life that he wants us to have. What he wants us to see in him as we try to follow him. And he said things like, I am the true vine and you are the branches. Describing the depth of connection and union that relationship with him is supposed to look like. And he said, I am the gate for the sheep. And I am the good shepherd showing us his care. 
and His protection. Our reliance on Him to lead and to guide. He said, I am the bread of life. Describing to us what it means that He really is life. That He is sustenance, food and provision. That He is all we need. Last week, He said, I am the light of the world. We looked at the light that baby brought us in that manger that night. Driving away the darkness, bringing the light of heaven to us. It's been an exciting journey, listening to Jesus, letting Him speak. Trying to become more comfortable with that reality of actually talking to Him, believing that He is speaking to us. And each of these statements is unique, and each statement is a little bit different, and they overlap in lots of ways. Again, he's describing different parts of himself, of his nature, of his mission, of his purpose, of what he sees in us and what he's inviting us into. And in each one of these, we can spend a lifetime with him, letting him speak, leading us into deeper understanding. What does it mean that he's the light of the world? What does it mean that he's the good shepherd? Helping us to see what it looks like if we truly understood, truly embraced what he was saying. What life would really look like if we really believed him. What would it look like if you really believed him? It's wonderful. The word Jesus is wonderful. He's so rich and deep and he's speaking to you. But this morning we're going to be coming to maybe the most interesting of all of these I am statements. It's the most straightforward and blunt that Jesus maybe ever was in his time here on earth. Where he strips away any illusion and he abandons any metaphor and he looks into the eyes of his followers and he tells them what is. I am the way and the truth. And the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. In an ocean of gigantic statements that Jesus made, revealing infinitely profound things about life, about God, about us, and all of this, this statement stands particularly huge because we have to understand who he's talking to when he said this. It can be difficult for us to read Jesus, especially if we've been in the church for any length of time, if we've been walking with him for any length of time. It's a double-edged sword a little bit. Because we can become so familiar with these words so quickly, which is good. We want to be familiar. We want to let them soak in our minds and transform us. And we start to see how the Old Testament speaks into the New Testament. And we get familiar with how the law speaks into the Psalms and how Paul and his letters to the church speak into the Gospels and how the Gospels speak into everything. It all starts to overlap and it form itself. We think about other verses as we're reading different verses, unpacking itself, revealing itself, and that's good. It's not a bad thing. 
Because Scripture does inform itself and does reveal itself. And the more we read and learn and memorize and study, the more we see how God's Word is all connected, how He's revealing Himself more and more fully, forwards and backwards through Scripture, every passage speaking into all the others as we listen and study and walk with Him, bringing more depth to everything He's given us. That's the beauty of of God's Word. But at the same time, while that's happening, it can become more and more difficult to relate to some of the people being described in Scripture and the things that they were experiencing because everything we read that they are hearing in that moment and for the first time, we read everything else into it too. Things that they didn't have in the moment. They didn't know the future. They didn't know how things were going to work out. And so we read the journey of the Israelites and we wonder how could they fail or or not believe when we know how the story turns out. Would we silently walk around, march around the walls of Jericho under a potential rain of arrows from the walls for days, watching nothing happen over and over and over again. Would we follow Gideon to the camp of this huge enemy army after he sent away almost our entire force? We're going to be slaughtered. There's just a few hundred of us left against thousands. And tens of thousands were sent away. We know how it works out. They didn't. Would we leave our nets, our families, generations of tradition and responsibility because some guy walked by on the beach and said, follow me. We know who Jesus is. They were maybe familiar with him, but he wasn't in that moment everything that we understand now. They didn't see all of that. They didn't have all of that. There hadn't been any miracles. There weren't any crowds. There was no reason. It made no sense. What would you have done? Were there others that Jesus invited to that didn't go? There in that moment, not knowing anything that was going to come, would you have followed? So it's important for us to try to see that. To try to keep these things in mind as we read these stories. Who were these people? What did they experience with Jesus? Not only from our perspective, with all the rest in view, all the ending, how it all turns out. But in the moment, what was going through their heads? What were they thinking? What did they think they understood at the time? Because here in this moment, Jesus is with his closest and deepest followers. These were the men who were going to build the church. What Jesus said here this night and what was about to happen the following day was going to be enough that all of them would go to their deaths declaring that He is God. All of them, 
tortured and killed for preaching this truth. Jesus knew that. They didn't. They didn't know what he was going to say and they didn't know what he was going to do. And they didn't know all that it was going to mean for them and stretching into eternity. Jesus is coming to the crucifixion, but they don't know that. They're just in Jerusalem for the Passover as they've celebrated a number of times. Things are different a little bit this year, this time. This is the biggest festival in all of Jewish culture. This is their most important feast and tradition. And things are starting to get out of hand around Jesus and around the ministry. The crowds are overwhelming. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees are irate. They are seeking any way to kill him. Something is coming. Something's going to happen. This time, it's different. And they can feel it. And in the middle of all of that, Jesus pulls his followers away into an upper room to celebrate the Passover meal together in quiet, in solitude. Get away from the crowds. And there, in that place, Jesus tells them, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. You have seen God. I don't know if we can understand what they heard. What Jesus said to them. Can we understand how deep Jewish teachings and traditions were baked into their very bones? These were all good Jewish boys sitting around that table with him. Raised from birth with the knowledge of the law and the Torah. Of the priests and the temple. The sacrifices, the stories of Yahweh leading and watching over his people, feasts and traditions, the scriptures and the Shema. And God's people had really just gotten their temple back. Herod had rebuilt and restored it and they were performing sacrifices. And it was all with Rome involved and it was all very messy, but they had their sacrifices. And the priests were doing their work. They had the temple after hundreds of years and the, all of these things were working as God kind of intended. What they had been told, what God had told them to do was all happening. The ways they were supposed to relate to God, the ways they were supposed to find forgiveness and salvation, the way to walk in obedience and faith, truth and life. The disciples knew all of this. It had finally come back together. God's people were finally living kind of like they were supposed to, like God had called them to. The practices and the sacrifices. And they were here in Jerusalem, the city of God's people. The culmination of everything God had done 
where after 400 years of slavery, God had revealed himself to his people in power and led them to freedom, taken them to the holy mountain, given them the law, led them to the promised land, and here given them this place. And in the face of all that, on the most holy night of the festival, Jesus says in that dark room, it's not all of that. It's me. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Can we begin to understand what they would have thought? They'd been walking with Jesus and they had seen things. What they would have felt. They had said that he was the Messiah. They believed. Now he's saying, I am God. This is the deepest blasphemy. If you know me, you know the Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. It's not possible. God told Moses, no one can see me and live. They know that story backwards and forwards. And so in the next verse, we can all jump on Philip because he asks Jesus, Lord, show us the Father then, and that will be enough for us. They're trying to wrap their heads around this. This is crazy what he's saying. And we can give Philip a hard time. Why don't you get it? Would we? Can we? What would you do? What would you say? If you can imagine yourself in their place, what are you supposed to do with this? And we're supposed to do with it what they did. Believe. Just believe. Every other philosopher, every other religious leader, every other teacher in the history of the world points to these things. I know the way. I know the truth. Let me tell it to you. I know how to find life. Let me describe what it looks like. Jesus stands alone. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. He's not pointing the way. He isn't going to tell us about these things. The only way to understand them is in relationship with Him because they are what He is. And if we want to see, we have to know Him, to stay with Him, to talk to Him, to listen to Him, to just keep our eyes fixed on Him. We're so like Peter when he tried, well, he didn't try, he did walk on water. As soon as we begin to believe, we look away from Jesus. Thanks, Jesus, I've got it, I'll take it from here. Either worry or pride draws our eyes away from him right away. We start to drown until we take his hand again. And over and over we draw near and we fall away. And we draw near and we fall away. What if we didn't? What if we stayed? What if we just sat down? Fixed our eyes on Jesus? What if we trusted Him to hold on to us? Not in our own strength to hold on to Him. 
What if we trusted his strength to carry us? What would that look like? What would that be like to just believe? Because there's nothing else. He is the vine. He is the good shepherd. He is the gate. He is the bread of life. He is the light of the world. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. And there is nowhere else for us to look. There is nothing else for us but Jesus. So what are we going to do this year? Are we going to take it from here? Sounds good. We'll figure it out. Or are we going to stay? Are we going to throw Jesus a thumbs up and say, I got it, and make our own plan forward? Or are we going to sit and listen, trust, and obey? Let him speak. Let him lead. Let him make the plan, the goals, the resolution. And then let him fulfill it too. Jesus doesn't call us to do our best. He doesn't call us to figure out what he wants us to do, to make our own way. He calls us to follow. He promises that he will lead us. Will we listen this year? Will we trust and obey? For there's no other way. There is no other truth. There's no other life than Jesus. What lies we've believed, where we've looked for another way, where we've tried to find life, purpose, hope somewhere else. Everyone's talking about Jesus. No one's talking to Jesus. What's he saying to you? Do you hear him? This year, let's be people of the word, reading scripture, studying, memorizing. We have our daily Bible reading that we email out. You're welcome to be a part of that. You can sign up on the website. Walk together with us with that portion as well as whatever you're reading on your own. Memorizing Scripture, filling our minds with it, the Word, meditating on it, but even more, people of Jesus, the living Word come to give us life. Because if what He's said and done this is this good, think of where He's going to take us next, what He's got in store for you. And let's follow Him there. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your grace and for your mercy. We thank you for your word, for Jesus, the living word. We thank you that you have shown us what life is, that you have told us what life is. Jesus, we thank you that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And we thank you that there is a way to come to the Father. We pray that we would be faithful this year. We pray that we would be humble this year. We pray that we would walk in trust, in humility. That we would believe that not only are you the way, but that you will take us on the way. That you will lead us, that you will carry us, that you will provide all we need. Help us to believe like your followers did. Help us to trust and help us to carry forward that hope to others that need to see too. 
thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And we pray that we would know those things together this year. In Jesus' name, amen.